Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Muskoka Drawdown. Hello, everyone. My name is Frank DeYoung, and I'm the host of Muskoka Drawdown. Welcome to another edition. We are in a climate emergency, so it behooves all of us to learn about climate change and do what we can to uh, to, to 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 just to slow it down and to make sure we have a healthy planet for the future generations and other species. Um, CO2 emissions are an indication of inefficiency. That's by Christiana Figueres. She's the architect of the Paris Agreement. So, you know, inefficiency means we're wasting energy. So if we go to electrification, et cetera, we're improving efficiency. It's like we stop using horses and we don't use wooden wheels anymore because the alternatives were more efficient. That's how we have to deal with climate change as well. I have with us today uh, a wonderful guest. Her name is Susan Brandom. And a little disclaimer at the beginning, I've been uh, a friend of Susan's for about 30 years, so all my praise of her is, is meaningless, of course. Hello, hello, <laughs> Sue. Introduce yourself after that uh, terrible introduction. <laughs> hello, my good friend. Yes, and it's, it, it, is it 30 years? I'm stunned, Frank. I'm stunned. But anyway, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit. Well, tell us a lot about yourself. Where did you come from, Sue? What's your, what's your genesis for as, a, as one of the amazing, one of the best environmentalists in Canada, I might say? Oh, Frank, you're, you're, you're going overboard there. But, but, you know, it is, it is actually rather interesting because of course, you know, so much of what's been found out uh, about um, raising kids, right. With the, uh, you know, the nature deficit, it's, as it's called, right. Mm-hmm. And it, it turns out that kids have to be exposed to nature at a young age uh, to develop a love for it. And I was blessed to have that. So I had a family that went camping and canoeing. I um, was in the Girl Guides. We did an awful lot of camping in that and canoeing. And so I was blessed uh, with that. And and I did a little bit of teeny weeny bit of environmental research when I was young, uh, you know, taking water samples from the local sewage treatment plant and that sort of thing. So my roots, my roots are good. Um, and then I went on and became a reporter, an energy writer, worked in the government, worked in corporations for a while, got fed up. Um, you know, it was clear to me that the... Um, the information that that I was using um, that said, you know, we had plentiful years of natural gas left and all that sort of crap was was crap. And it happened to coincide with an organization forming in Toronto at the time called the Coalition for a Green Economic Recovery. And that just really appealed to my sensibility. So I got involved with them and the rest is history. <laughs> and that, you know, that was an organization started by Jack Layton, Wayne yeah. Roberts, 
and a number of other. Well, how do you respond to the critique that some people have of the environmental movement? We're like a 30-year-old, very active movement, and things are getting worse and worse and worse. And you could say the whole environmental movement is an abject failure. Do you do you agree with that? Um, basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at that point in this sort of, if, if you recall, in the late 80s, we were in one of the, the biggest recessions we had had, right? Yes. And, and, and it always seems to conveniently coincide with the loss of um, public support for environmental action. Um, so we had going into that, we, the environment was within the top three uh, uh, things that people were concerned about. That was about 89. I was working in the Ontario government at the time. I knew stats, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then we went into that recession and kaboom, you know, interest in the environment just collapsed. Um, but also when we sort of started to come out of that, uh, I don't know why exactly, but the environmental movement cottoned onto this notion that we had to talk nicey nice with corporate interests. Well, what happened, um, I, I remember all that as well. And even David Suzuki was getting more and more um, dramatic and, and, and extreme. And then people said, David, you're losing people. You got to calm it down. You got to be happy. You have to profile happy yep. examples of ecological living. But, and I recent read recently that for every species that has a, a big recovery because of efforts or whatever, there's another 19 of them have gone extinct. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're basically doing one step forward and two back, but I mean, I, 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 I haven't given up. I still think as more and more people eventually will clue in. I mean, the environmental issues come and go and they, they off the radar again because of the truckers convoy and because of Donald Trump. And, you know, there's always something that's more exciting for the front pages. But once in a while, you know, every time it gets worse, like the Abbotsford uh, flooding and then the fires in BC and the fires in Australia and California, sooner or later, every once in a while, the environment comes back up front and center again for a while so maybe are we making some kind of headway in mass understanding or acceptance of climate change as a reality that needs to be dealt with well and you know i, I can look at myself and i can look at the organization that i formed in the last couple of years and and so so you know part of my distraction through those couple of decades was i got really focused on um personal action right? Doing all these programs that helped individuals make their homes more energy efficient and compost more and all that sort of thing. Um, all otherwise called incremental action, right? Correct. And it's coming out now. <laughs> In fact, was uh, some manipulation by the oil and gas sector to put the blame on the individual. Okay. And we fell for it. Yeah. You know, the movement. Yeah, but you can and say now... Now, 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 though, Frank, um, you know, where my focus is, is on system change, right? Yeah. And, and I listened to the kids a few years ago when we had the big, before COVID, we had the big protests and that sort of thing, right? And, and you know, one of their slogans was system change, not climate change, right? Yeah. And so we need system change so that individuals don't have the hard time 
making the changes that they know they, they should make, right? People well, are not I, I always think that too, because we all want to do our personal thing. And, and, you know, when you talk to people, they say, well, I put out my recycling and then they yep. sort of can't think of anything else that they're doing because it's not what the individual can do. The individual can do very little except for, you know, sign online petitions and, and being a slacktivist and donating to various, you know, green pieces and environment networks, et cetera. But it up, it's up to governments, municipal, provincial, and federal, and international, like COP26, right? Everyone says it was a, it was ineffectual, but it, once again, it was the humans trying to work together at the largest scale. So yes. do we have any other choice but to depend on our governments to, to take control of the situation? I think that's maybe not quite the phrasing that I would use. Um, what we can do is push our governments, right? Exactly. They are a reflection of us. They are who we elect. And so that's exactly what I'm doing in the organization that I've formed. Um, that's what many others are now doing across the country. You are, you know, in, in with your organization. Um, it's just, we're not hearing about those local efforts so much because our, our news, our big news tends to be focused on national stories, but there's a huge amount of local stuff happening. Huge amount. There is. So and, and on, on the aggregate, we hear now from everyone seems to say that climate change is, um, is here. It's not to be denied anymore. And there's, yes. there's for decades, we've had the climate change deniers, but they seem to have come around and recognized, well, yes, we, we do have a crisis here and we do have to take action. And now it's just a question of what strategy do we use carbon sequestration or do we actually stop using uh, uh, fossil fuels, etc.? So it's it's a question of strategy now. It's like, you know, we know gravity exists, so we don't have to argue about that anymore. <laughs> Except for a few, right? Anyway, <laughs> yes, no, it's so true. And I, a few. And I, yes, and, and but the thing is, they now they are just shutting their mouths, right? They're not even complaining, which is just fabulous. Um, but I, I would say that we need it all, Frank. We need the sequestration. We need the end of fossil fuels. We need, we, you know, our time is so tight. What so about tight. nuclear power, Sue Brandon? Oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you a chance to think about that. We are going to have a short break and we'll be back in a few minutes. My name is Frank hey. Young and our, my guest is the wonderful Susan Brandon. She's from the Ottawa Valley from uh, Smith Falls, Perth area. By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Muskoka Drawdown. Welcome back to Muskoka Drawdown. I'm Frank DeYoung, I'm your host, and we have online Susan Random. Um, Susan, let's continue talking about what we just left off. I asked you the difficult, thorny question that environmentalists are agonizing about is, does nuclear power play a role in the, in the environmental technologies? Well, I, you know, I, I'll be very upfront. I don't like it. Uh, we haven't solved the big problems of it. Uh, we certainly don't have the capacity to handle any uh, serious problem that arises. We haven't solved the issue of what we do with the waste. Um, so I don't like it. You know, will I also, be dead and gone and people will be building new plants? 
I wouldn't be surprised. Um, there are, though, you know, people. Um, um, so Stephen Lapp, for example, you know, wonderful yeah. presentation yeah. on how we can go to net zero in Ontario without going to nukes. And, mm. you know, yes. I, I think that's great. I guess you didn't mention the most important, perhaps, issue is that uh, renewables are now far cheaper than nuclear. Well, Everyone yes. says, "Oh, nuclear is is the cheapest way to do it," but it's far from it now. We're we're getting solar and wind now for like two three cents uh, yep. a kilowatt, whereas nuclear is without even including the decommissioning costs and the and the fossil and the and the spent fuel problems, it's still coming in at you know ten twenty cents. It's outrageously expensive. And it takes forever to build. Exactly. And we don't have the time. Yeah. We just don't, you know, and renewables are so much faster to get up and going. Now, let's, sorry if I can change the subject a little bit. We are in, this radio station is about Muskoka. And um, there's a number of things happening, uh, climate strategies and in the municipal, in the towns. Can you give us a little gestation of what's happening in, uh, in Lanark and mm. Communities you're in. So, so we're working with Lanark County, and then the nine or so smaller uh, lower tier municipalities that work within that, um, including Smith Falls. And um, basically, we're developing a plan, and we have identified, as many others have, that you know the biggest GHG uh, sources in our area are from transportation, from buildings from uh, organic waste going to landfill um, where wow. it rots and produces methane. Um, so those are the three biggies that we're looking to tackle. And we're looking at uh, various programs to do uh, with retrofitting people's homes and, and actually targeting, you know, the city of Kingston has done this, um, where they identified the houses uh, there that had the produce the most GHGs, and they're in the process of going to target those to do uh, retrofits there, you know, big, big, deep retrofits, right? right. Um, and pay for them. So the city so is the doing city. it because the federal government has something called the Greener Homes Grant, and I've signed up for that, and they're going to be doing a home audit, audit on my house. Fabulous. But, yep. um, so there's, there's that one, right. but then there's also this whole other program initiated by the feds um, where there will be um, a loan program to homeowners, um, and I think uh, you'll be able to borrow additional money there for up to 40 years, it will be against your property. So you can sell your house, yeah. but the uh, loan will continue to be paid off against the taxes on the property. And it means you can actually do deep retrofits, which is yes. just fab fabulous. I've, I've heard about this for 10, 15 years already uh, in coming, Canada. Coming, coming. But it's and, finally coming, that's good yeah. news. And it is, and, and there's a couple of variations on that. Um, but anyway, so, so that's, that's one thing that, um, our committee here, Lanark County, um, is planning on going down the path of, um, that's a big one. Um, and then as well as, you know, just encouraging people anyway, to do, uh, retrofits and to get off of fossil fuels, right. To move to electric heat pumps, um, to move to communal ground source heat pumps. Oh, is that better than air source? 
Well, it, it is because it's like really, truly, virtually zero um, greenhouse gases. And if you can do, um, you know, a ground source heat pump and, and, and share the benefits basically amongst a half a dozen houses, That's then the cost is shared, right? But ground source Makes- heat pumps still require electricity, just like air source. Yep, yep, but but it's you, you. The benefits you get are you get full um, full heating. Most air source heat pumps are only good down to sort of minus twelve, minus fourteen. Mm-hmm. There are ones now that are good down to minus thirty. Um, yep. They're certainly more expensive. Um, but if you do ground source heat pump, you just automatically get all of that heat. Um, and 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 yeah. They're just, they, they really so are the way to go. You, you were, I was having, you and I were on the phone about a month ago and you said something that, that shocked me and, and stuck in my mind. And I, I, at first I balked, but then I have switched over. I mean, I think I haven't even confessed to you that I, that I agree with you now. You said um, <laughs> that, that, okay, I, a lot of people complain. They say, okay, well, I want to do green retrofits and cut my greenhouse gases, but it's, it's not going to be cost effective because it costs money and I won't be earning that money back in, uh, in lower bills. And you said to me, well, Frank, people have money. A lot of people, especially a lot of seniors, not all, lots yes. of seniors are poor. A lot of people have, you know, equity of hundreds of thousands and millions, yet they're still saying, well, I'm not going to get an air source heat pump because the payback level is 25 years and uh, I'm not, but you said, People should do it anyway. And the hell, sorry for using the H word, the hell with the payback thing, because it's not a, we have the money and we often go on trips to Florida and and Bahamas and Hawaii. We don't care about the payback there. So why should we care about payback when we're, when we're uh, addressing climate change? Yep. Spot on. You know, when when I was in the uh, uh, helping to develop the Internet Guide for Houses now 20 years ago, um, the approach there was whenever you renovated, you took the opportunity to do some extra air sealing and insulation and upgrading your heating system and that sort of stuff, right? So right. you did it when you renovated. Correct. Now I'm saying we don't have the time, but we've got the money, Frank. There's, there's a ton of well-off people who frankly just, you know, socked money away through these last couple of years of COVID, right? They had no place to spend it. Yeah. And we're, and, we're people like that are like myself. I want to be the richest guy in the graveyard. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I had to use that on air. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. Um, yeah. So why, you know, why not? If, and, and you know, if, 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 if you're thinking too, that you're saving your money, to pass it on to your kids or your grandkids. Um, truthfully, I don't know what could be a better legacy than to pass on to them a functioning, healthy planet. Um, really, you right. know. Right. Well, that's that's passing on to something that's worth uh, even more than giving them cash. <laughs> they exactly. may not they may not see it that way. <laughs> they said, "Grandma, don't burn up my inheritance on climate change. Give it to me when you die." Well, but you know, if 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 the world is literally burning for them, they may well appreciate that uh, that Grandma put some money into the right thing. Exactly. Well, this is how do we how do we best uh, encourage our politicians to uh, to take steps to remediate to to, uh, to stop climate change? 
you know what I'm finding, Frank, here locally? Um, they want to do this. They really do. Um, you know, they're, they're not ignoring this issue. They're not stupid. Um, it's always a case with politicians that um, they generally need to follow, you know, <laughs> follow the well, they, they have they, to. They be want able... to be seen to be leading, right. but they actually sort of follow, right? And so I think it really comes down to us to make clear to them that the populace is, at, is, is with them. Right. We all want to do this. And and so that's part of what we're doing uh, with uh, Climate Network Lanark. Um, we we use a tool basically called engagement organizing. And what we're doing is we're going out there to the community and we're saying, you know, sign on to this, uh, express yourselves. Um, and we're what asking is, at, at this what, very, very moment, what we're doing is we're asking people to sign on and say that they want greenhouse gas emissions cut in Lanark County in half by 2030. What is this? Is this software you're talking about or a platform? No, it's, it's a, it's a methodology. It's fundamentally, it's what Obama used um, when he ran in the United States. It's a a method of uh, capturing what we have done for so long. You know, we talk to our neighbors and friends and relations about uh, what we're doing, we encourage them to sign a petition or whatever, right? Um, and what we're doing, though, is just formalizing it a little bit. So we actually capture that information yeah. and we uh, capture their expression uh, of what they want. And then we present it. I mean, we, we all do it to some degree when we sign online petitions, right? Yes. Um, and so we're just formalizing that as a local environmental organization. Right. We have uh, all in the Muskoka towns, we have weekly um, protests on a busy street corner. Do you weekly? think that's weekly? Wow. Every Friday in, in, uh, in Gravenhurst, Huntsville and, and, uh, and, um, and um, Bracebridge, people are protesting. Do you think that's a good idea or do you think that's, that's uh, what do you think about that? I, I, I'm, I'm in awe. I think that's fabulous. We, we do do protests here um, in, in the town of Perth. We're lucky because we're right on Highway 7. And so we get, you know, a huge amount of traffic, a lot of people out, that sort of thing. But we have done them uh, sort of at all of the big international events and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, a few years ago, people here were going into Ottawa to protest, right? That's right. And a few of us said, wait a minute, you know, it's time. We need to show the local community that there are all these local people who care and we need to do it here. And so that's what, what we started to do, but I'm, I'm in awe that you guys do it weekly. (laughs) Well, the trouble is sometimes it's only two or three people and sometimes it's 10, but still it's it's showing commitment, but I'm afraid. So we are officially out of time now. I really appreciate you coming on. I, when you and I have phone calls, they they go into the hours, and so, <laughs> so this is very. But I, I didn't I didn't get to jive you about your <laughs> carbon credits. Okay, I, uh, I, I'm embarrassed to tell everyone that I'm actually going to Colombia for a couple of weeks coming up, and and I I do so much donations to green organizations and work, and I thought I don't have to buy carbon credits because I'm doing all kinds of greenhouse gas activities and and sue said no buy it anyway so so i did so i bought <laughs> i bought some carbon credits they're going into a forest remediation thing in the united states 
because I wanted it to be in Colombia, but they said, no, you can, you, it automatically goes to where they think it should be most effective. Ah. So, but anyway, on that note, we do have to uh, say goodbye. And thank you so much, Sue, for this has been really very enlightening. Appreciate it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks, Frank. Okay. okay. Bye for now. I went to the city when all the trees were gone and I laid there on an asphalt lawn. days of hurricanes and floods her face ran with tears and the streets ran with blood fur coats and sushi boats and diesel yeah, yeah, yeah.